Welcome to Security in Color, your soon-to-be favorite podcast, empowering and educating the next generation of cybersecurity professionals. I'm your host, Dominique, a licensed cyber and cloud security professional with almost a decade of experience in the game. Join me weekly as I recap what's going on in the cyber and technology space. And for more resources, check out our website at www.securityincolor.com. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome to the Security in Color podcast. Happy New Year. Actually, am I still allowed to say that? (laughs) Oh, well, I still wish you a happy new year regardless. If you are new here or returning, I'm super, super, super glad to have you tuned in to today's episode. My name is Dominique. I'm the host and creator of Security in Color, a podcast and platform aimed at educating and empowering the next generation of cybersecurity professionals. You can expect weekly podcast episodes recapping the latest in cybersecurity and technology industry news with a sprinkle of personal insights. Now, I know it's been quite some time since our last episode, I believe it was episode 45, yeah, because this is 46, and that was before Thanksgiving, I think, and I I totally anticipated coming back earlier, I'm never going to lie, because I wanted to come and say, you know, Merry Christmas, <laughs> and I wanted an episode leading up to the new year, but, you know, they say you can't rush greatness, and I wanted to make sure that I was 100%, so I can give you guys my 100%, because... You know, every time I think I just got up to do not even necessarily just podcast work, I think any work in general, it just seemed way harder than it needed to be. So I was like, maybe this is a sign to listen to yourself and your body and, you know, you'll come back when you're ready, which I am because I've missed you guys. (laughs) And if you're if you've been with us, you know, for quite some time, then you're probably wondering why this is dropping on a Friday instead of a Tuesday. And in an effort to kind of streamline, you know, all the resources and security and color all together, including the newsletter and the podcast, I decided to drop both on Fridays. It's easier for me and easier for you to kind of have everything at once. But yeah, from going forward, all episodes are going to be dropped on Friday. Don't worry, nothing has changed. You're still going to get all your goodness. But that way I can recap everything that's happened, you know, from the Friday prior to up to the Friday next, XYZ, rather than the Tuesday. Just a little bit of changes to see how things are going. Now, before I jump into, you know, the announcements and topics for today's episode, I want to give a major shout out to Ola and Melanie, our two most recent Patreon members. I thank you so, so, so much for supporting this platform. Being a Patreon member is a way to give back to the Security in Color platform, and it just helps me keep the lights on. And it's also a way to get some really cool behind the scenes stuff access to special podcast episodes that I have lined up, um, some demo recordings. I'm like studying for the AWS certification. I have all of that up there. Um, I handwrite um, these really special (laughs) cards and notes and I give some goodies and stuff that I mail out. So, uh, you know, again, it's just a way um, for people who want to support their platform. And I always give back. No, no worries. But if you're interested and you want to join the community, the show notes, um, the link is in our show notes. So now on to today's announcement and episode. The new year not only brought in 
the end of 2020, which we thought was never going to happen. But it also signaled that this podcast has officially been around for one whole year. That's crazy. Years ago, not even years ago, if you asked me a year and a half, like right before this podcast episode, if I would ever consider myself a podcaster, I would have gave you a blank face. Like the, the I, listen, <laughs> I'd be like, girl, no. But here we are. And to celebrate this achievement, I want to give back to the very supporters who have listened to me, given me great feedback um, throughout this entire experience. So I am doing a one-year anniversary giveaway to one lucky winner who will receive, drumroll please, a free CompTIA Security Plus voucher. If you are new or maybe a little seasoned in the cybersecurity industry, I am positive all you hear is that you need to go for your Security Plus certification to get your foot in the door. Now, while this is accurate, right, um, what they don't tell you is how much these certifications cost. And certifications are starting, in my opinion, to become a financial barrier to many who want to enter the industry. Um, And I'm just fortunate enough to give back. I understand why certifications are priced at the way they are. I understand the business model, XYZ, the return, the value, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes people don't have $300, $400 to drop. And that's just an entry-level certification. When you get up to the higher-level certifications, and also what they don't tell you is that you have to pay annual, semi you know, you have to pay fees to keep up these things. So I am going to be giving away one voucher to someone who would like to take the Security Plus exam to get started in the industry. Now, entering the giveaway will be super simple. I don't need you to, like, retweet five different accounts follow 20 different accounts, tag your top five besties. I don't need you to do all that. All of, I sometimes see some giveaways who do that. It's way too complicated for me. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm definitely not about to make somebody else do that. All you have to do is fill out this form. I'm going to put this form not only in the show notes, but it'll be all over social media. Simply fill it out. Just need a couple of questions to be answered. And boom, you are entered. Now, the giveaway will run for seven days, and the winner will be announced next week on social media and here on next week's podcast episode. And this giveaway isn't sponsored. It's coming from my very own pockets. And I hope to be able to, you know, give away much more very soon, other certifications, other uh, opportunities, all that kind of good stuff. But on a side note, if you are listening and you want to sponsor, you know, holla at your girl. (laughs) All right. Now that that exciting news is out the way, what are we talking about today? What is today's episode about? So 2020, as we know, a whirlwind, right? Crazy all over the place. (laughs) But not only in our everyday lives, but also for businesses grappling with cybersecurity. And 2020 was another historic year in the first quarter of last year alone. The number of records exposed in breaches were set to outpace their previous year by 273%, like insane. Therefore, I would like to take one last final look back at 2020, because trust me, I am not trying to bring her back in here, right? I don't need her coming, messing up no kind of mojo for 2021. So I want to take one quick last look back um, and see what were some of the top breaches by both hackers and some mistakes, right? Because that happens in breaches. It's not always that a hacker is trying to get into something. Breaches happen, your data gets leaked because somebody messed up. 
And let's see what happened before we take a look at the 2020 trends for this year. Because if you know, if you listen from the beginning, um, my first episode was about 2020 trends of like, what do we think that 2020 is going to look at look like? And while a lot of that came true, there was also a lot that we didn't expect. So before I jump into that, we're going to look back real quick and let's go over the top five breaches that have happened in 2020. No particular order. These are uh, set or organized by like how many, how much data has gone out or how much money or XYZ. This is just, in my opinion, some of the top five breaches I had based off of some certain criteria. So let's jump into today's episode. We start off this breach list at the top of 2020 when things weren't quite as crazy with the hack of Clearview AI, a facial recognition company. Now, before the breach, the company had recently been profiled by the New York Times for its controversial business model of having more than 3 billion images of the public in its databases and offering it up to law law enforcement clients to use to link and match people they thought were suspects. Now, these images were scraped from unsuspecting social media accounts from places like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, which is a very, very clear violation of these social media giants' policies. Now, when Clearview notified the authorities about their breach, it was revealed that the names of their clients, aka these law enforcement agencies, were exposed in addition to the number of scraped profiles that they had opened and the number of searches they had conducted. Now, the reason why I listed Clearview as a major data breach is because I wanted to highlight how dangerous social media, and anything you put on the public internet can be. Now, we currently do not have a nationwide consumer privacy legislation that can protect us from breaches or when companies violate policies and scrape our data without informing us. Even worse, the fact that law enforcement agencies are basing these scrapes to compile profile for suspects in a crime is downright scary especially because we know how inaccurate and biased many of these machine learning and facial recognition software can be. Hint, hint, back when they did the um, uh, the experiment with the Congress uh, men and women when they couldn't figure out, oh, is this Barack Obama or was it a white man? Or is this, you know, some other woman or somebody else? The unfortunate part of the situation, other than being, you know, a really controversial company, in the first place, is the fact that there is still very little known about the extent of this breach, right? They haven't put out much information. And honestly, that tends to happen unless it's like a really big giant um, company that's been extended, like, or unless you do a lot of research, or maybe even if, so maybe some of the media companies like don't really care about it, you have to deep dive into it. But this one in particular, there is not any information that they have released outside of the very basic facts that I had just told you about before. And for a company that is basing scrapings of social media profiles to build a suspect profile for law enforcement raises all types of red flags, my eyebrows, it raises all types of concerns about the potential implications that facial recognition technology plays and how regulation is needed as soon as possible. Number two on our breach list also took place at the top of last year 
where Microsoft disclosed a data breach that technically took place in December 2019, but wasn't disclosed to the public until January 22, 2020. Now, this breach, unlike the later one later on in this list, wasn't due to external hackers, but instead was due to an internal misconfiguration of a customer support database that they used for support case analytics, and it consisted of over 250 million records. Now, here's what happened in case you missed it. A change was made in early December to a database network security group that had a misconfigured firewall rule. Now, firewall rules, in simplified terms, is a security mechanism that basically says whether or not network traffic is allowed. Now, the firewall rule in question at Microsoft was left enabled in a way that allowed the exposure of this customer data to the public internet. Luckily, they concluded there was no malicious use of their database while it had been exposed publicly, and fortunately, their standard practice is to remove any personal identifiable information automatically whenever they decide to store information in a database. Once they learned about the misconfigured firewall, they immediately sought to remedy the situation. Now, I thought this one was important to bring up because if you are a aspiring security professional, you want to work in the cloud, you know, whatever the case may be, or you may be someone who's just interested in firewall rules, <laughs> um, it's very, very important to understand the concept of firewall rules and how they play a part in securing your information. Now, like I stated before, firewall rules dictate whether or not traffic can move inbound or outbound in a network. I won't bore you with the nitty gritty details of it, but any changes to firewall rules can affect your environment in a very major way, as we can see with this data breach. And maybe, you know, we can safely, I should say, I can safely assume that because Microsoft is a major corporation, that they probably use automation tools to roll out these firewall changes. And while automation tools is not the problem at all, I question the verification process in their change management process or like what their change management process looks like. And if someone made an oversight here because the time between when these changes were applied and when the misconfiguration was caught wasn't like just a couple of hours, it was weeks, meaning for weeks, either an alert or maybe a verification step of whether or not the firewall rules were correct um, wasn't checked. And again, <laughs> All speculation, of course, but the main takeaway that I want to say here is that breaches don't always happen because of hackers trying to get in and steal your information. Sometimes they happen because of a mistake. And mistakes like this can be very costly. And again, this is our information. Granted, they did scrub the information because it's Microsoft, but many other companies do not. So always, always verify your firewall rules. Number three on our top breaches of 2020 is the Twitter breach. I actually saw this breach play out firsthand in real time because I am a pretty heavy Twitter user as much as I hate to admit that. I did promise myself in 2020 to not turn off or ignore my social media timer on my phone, but that's a whole nother story. Anyway, so I, um, I was on Twitter and I follow former President Barack Obama. And at the same exact moment that I happened to open the application on July 15th of last year, I saw a tweet 
that was written about five seconds ago from his account saying something about like giving away Bitcoin in exchange for payment. And at first glance, I was like, hmm, that's weird. And then I just kept doom scrolling. But then five seconds later, I had a wait a minute moment, immediately said to myself, why in the world would Barack Obama be tweeting about Bitcoin and giving away on my timeline? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And as soon as those thoughts kind of went through my head, I began seeing retweets of other pretty famous people like Kanye, Bill Gates, Elon Musk. All of them were starting to say they read the same exact tweet message. And my final thought was like, holy, did everyone get hacked? Am I hacked? Like, do I need to double check something right now? Fortunately, I'm still, you know, a peasant and nobody cares to try to swindle my little measly Twitter following for millions of Bitcoins. But unfortunately for Obama and others, they were compromised in a much larger attack. It was revealed that Twitter had its own internal tools accessed by hackers in a very coordinated social engineering attack. Unfortunately for them, this orchestrated attack lasted hours, with Twitter unable to quickly regain any control over these accounts, and the hackers were able to walk away with over $100,000 worth of Bitcoin. And after unable, being unable to stop these accounts, Twitter just did a blanket, blanket ban on all verified blue check accounts to prevent them from, you know, kind of spreading the attack any further. And then they tried to do a block on any accounts that were attempting to retweet the Bitcoin wallet um, that was in a tweet. So if you were trying to retweet it, they would just block that account altogether all until they can figure out, like, how do I get a grip on these um, attacker accounts? Now, how did the attackers get in? Well, Twitter admitted they were able to target a small number of employees through a phone spear phishing attack in which they were able to successfully get access to their internal network using an employee credential. Now, I have talked about phishing attacks both through email and phone calls very, very often on this podcast and for good reason. No one, not even the huge mega tech giants, are above being played for by hackers. And unfortunately, humans are still to be seen as a business weakness. Now, though this attack was just used for financial gain, if the attackers had other motives, this could have been way, way worse. Imagine if they took over maybe a presidential account or even like another presidential account (laughs) or even, you know, just someone who was very influential who could have maybe started a war, right? I don't even want to say if they took over, but I don't even want to think about if they took over President Trump's account. But, you know, just to give you a worst case scenario, say they did and say he said something that was super insane about some country. Maybe he said something about a stock market or even with Elon Musk, right? Because Tesla is a very popular company in stock right now. Imagine he said something that could have forced the stock market or at least his stock to crash, you know, something of that nature. So, so many things could have happened. Fortunately for us, it did not turn out that way and was just a random, I think it was a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, a very random Wednesday for all of us security professionals. And it was just a random, 
again, a time where we're looking at like, hey, what is happening? There was so much speculation. People wondering, well, how did they get in? How is this happening? How is Twitter security teams responding? And I felt for them because I cannot imagine how crazy that day must have been for uh, Twitter security teams. But I'm sure to this day, both those teams and the executives have so many answers, uh, questions to answer um, in regards to their security and how they're going to um, basically start putting security first within their company. Number four on our list is not really surprising, but nevertheless, still pretty crazy. 2020 has been all about COVID-19. So again, not surprising that one of the makers of the vaccine suffered not one, but two data breaches. Pfizer, one of the leading makers of the current COVID-19 vaccine, announced that this past October they were the victim of a data breach that exposed various patient data, including email addresses, home addresses, full names, other HIPAA-related information. Now, this was all due to something we saw back on number two on our list, a cloud misconfiguration. But this time, it was a Google Cloud storage bucket. Now, storage buckets are a cloud mechanism in which you can store unlimited data, such as patient data, and is used to uh, used by nearly every every company in the cloud. Like using a storage bucket isn't a bad thing per se. The issue with the cloud and the environment is not the question of if it's safe, because I I know how hearing about these breaches and misconfigurations can automatically make people a little bit skeptical. But if companies, it, the question really comes to if companies are configuring their cloud environment correctly because there is a role that companies play whenever they roll out resources in their environment. Another very long story that goes beyond this podcast episode, but you know, if you're into cloud like how I am, then that's a concept you definitely understand. Now, it's currently unclear how long this information has been stored in the cloud bucket or who had access to the information, which can be pretty scary. And it's really imperative to for customers to know and have monitoring deployed because at least Microsoft was able to say, hey, yes, we had this out open to the public, but we can definitely say no one accessed it, whereas Pfizer cannot. So unfortunately, about a month and change later, Pfizer announced along with German partner BioNTech that documents related to the development of their COVID-19 vaccine had been unlawfully accessed in a cyber attack on their European medicine regulator. Now, while they say no personal data of their trial patients were compromised, the documents that were taken were about their vaccine development. And you and I both know that this can be extremely valuable to other countries and companies rushing to develop their own vaccine. And at the moment, all companies have declined to comment further, but it will be pretty interesting to see how the race to vaccines and rollouts in countries develop further if this information is sold on the dark market. Number five on our list, and I save the best and craziest for last, because as of this recording, and to be honest, probably for the next few months or years, the depth and implications of this breach is still not fully understood. This past December, when we thought, you know, things in 2020 just couldn't get any crazier, 2020 looked back at us and was like, Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? And it was announced that FireEye, a U.S. security firm best known for its incident response tools, 
had been breached by nation state actors. Now, these hackers who have now been identified as an elite Russian hacker group were able to steal its suite of red team tools that enabled the company to perform penetration testing and other red teaming activities. In a blog post by their CEO, they stated that this attack was different from the tens of thousands of incidents that they have responded to throughout the years. The attackers tailored their world-class capabilities specifically to target and attack FireEye. Now, the attackers were mainly looking on information about their government customers. And at the time they said, it didn't appear that they accessed any of this information, just kind of took their tools and like they were able to um, remove them from their network. And we all thought it ended there. But fast forward, and FireEye realized that it wasn't just their company who got attacked. After sorting through 50,000 lines of source code, the FireEye team found a supply chain nightmare as a vulnerability in a product made by one of its software providers, now we know as SoloWinds Corporation, created a backdoor. And the hackers took advantage of this vulnerability and implemented malware that was able to be pushed out to customers of SoloWinds when they updated their software. Now, not all affected customers have been named, but we can say that is at least right now over 18,000 companies, and most notably and justifiably scariest of those who have been hit include the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Treasury and Commerce Department, and Microsoft. Now, all these companies utilize solar winds in their infrastructure, leaving them compromised as attackers were able to gain a foothold into their networks and then monitor and dig deeper. For Microsoft, they recently announced that the attackers even accessed their source code. Now, source code, for those of you who may not know, is the foundation of a software product. Like, think of it as literally the building blocks to completing a house. Unfortunately, all of the details around this hack haven't been released because every time I even go research about cybersecurity news, like there is a new post about something else that has happened due to this attack. And I'm 100% sure we're just not going to get the full scope of everything simply because of how widespread this is, how much the attackers were able to get into things. Like, we'll probably get the bits and pieces that we have now. I'm pretty sure in, I'll just say a couple years or so, someone's going to do either a book or a tell-all about this. But as of right now, the information we do have is what they, um, how they were able to get in. Um, you know, who they were, a couple of who they were able to be a part of, what they took, and basically how companies can go ahead and protect themselves because, of course, that was the number one concern for companies, right? Once they realize, hey, I have solar winds in my infrastructure, what does this mean for me? Of course, it's natural that everyone, to, everyone wants to take action and get information about what can I do to protect my data? How can I make sure that they didn't touch access my data? Like, where, where, essentially, where can I go from there? I do think it was sort of fortunate that FireEye got attacked because, and I know that's weird to say, <laughs> but, you know, they were able to catch and begin thwarting the attackers as soon as possible versus maybe if this was a lesser company, right, who didn't know or who didn't have the arsenal of tools and resources that they have at their disposal. And I'm, I am very much so interested. Like, I, I know a tell-all book is going to come similar to, like, the Stuxnet. Like, I know it's going to come later. It might not have everything, but I'm definitely interested in just kind of one resource that can 
tell me a little bit about how how crazy this whole thing actually is. But again, I know that's a long time coming because they're still trying to get it together and figure it out. So if I do can figure it out or maybe put the pieces together and I'm trying to be like a crime junkies and, and figure out this solo ones attack, I might do an episode, but we'll see. For now, I'm going to rely on the experts to go ahead and put all this investigation and stuff together for me. So keep on the lookout. And that's a wrap for the first episode of 2021. Thanks for joining me for another episode. And I look forward to bringing you an amazing year of cybersecurity news and resources. See you later. Bye.